Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Boom. Bosco's Boys is here. I think we all wanted it. And the marriage is officially official. I'm so pumped to bring my show to the 1012 Network Bosco's Boys, the most consistent K-State podcast out there. Over four years with at least one episode a week. Bringing live shows to the listeners and to the participants every Wednesday at 7 p.m. I'm pumped to be here and I would love it if you guys came over to Bosco's Boys and gave us a listen. Because we are not Big J Journos. This is a podcast by a fan and his dog for fellow K-State And Big 12 fans. And I can't wait to chop it up with all the members and fans of the 1012 Network. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz. Today we are recapping a disappointing and yet not disheartening loss for the Kansas Jayhawks against the TCU Horned Frogs. Look, game day was in town. Uh, Kansas played completely out of their minds in the second half on offense, and the defense played really well in the first half, so it's hard to be upset about the way that that game went. To help me recap it all and talk about what this means moving forward, joining me again, one of our contributors over at Blue Wings Rising and also host of 580 Sports Talk over in w, uh, over in Topeka on WIBW FM, it is Brendan Dorzinski. Brendan, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right, man. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. I mean, you know, normally, like, I I was sitting there wondering, like, how bad is it going to hurt the first time the Jayhawks lose this season, right? Because we're so used to, like, the demoralizing losses. I was like, are are we going to go back to, like, thinking, man, this really sucks and being super upset with those losses? And while I definitely have things I point to in this game, it's like, man, if they could have done that just a little bit better, then they would have won the game. I don't know that I'm upset at all. Like, what is your general feeling about this game? Like, how it went? what the team looks like, like, what do you, what's the attitude moving forward with this team? Well, I will say my one immediate reaction, as much as it was disappointment after the game, as I was leaving the booth on Saturday afternoon and I'm walking through the parking lot, heading back to my place. And I thought, you know, I'm used to leaving here 
really not feeling anything. Like I just put my headphones in. It's like, all right, that was just a day of work because it was not really enjoyable football. Uh, I was not expecting a win and we certainly didn't get one that I've had a lot of those games covering KU football uh, over the last nine years. And yet I felt like, dang, it's kind of nice to have a game that actually meant something that we lost and it actually hurts and actually have an emotional response to it other than just, yeah, well, at least it's over and I can go watch better games now. But on a, on a more serious note, as, as real as that was, I'm with you. I feel like you can point to a lot of things. And I think this sounds like coping to a degree that, oh, well, you know, obviously, if Jalen Daniels plays, you get to the play calling we had in the second half. I think KU ends up winning that game. Two turnovers at absolutely terrible times. The Daniels fumble on the goal line and then Jason Bean's interception, which I know he was getting ragged on and it clearly looked awful. I think it was probably miscommunication. I don't know how it couldn't have been given how bad that throw was. That happens at a terrible part of the field. TCU scores easily right after that. Penalties, should there have been more against TCU? Probably at some point, what can you do? We all know the reputation for Big 12 refs at this point. You don't want to commit the stupid ones that KU committed on its own end as well. Lance Leipold pointed to that specifically during the postgame press conference, as I know you heard, Andy. There's a lot of things you can point to and say, ah, man, if it had just one or two of these things had gone differently, KU wins, which on one hand, okay, well, then don't screw up, and then you're actually going to win the game. That's where we are now with this program. But on the other hand, TCU is really good, man. I mean, that team has so much speed. They have so much size. They're well-coached. Sonny Dykes, maybe not the most pleasant guy. At least uh, I think a lot of people at SMU would tell you that. But he's a hell of a coach, and he's got that team humming. You lose by one score, and you had a chance to win against that team when you're still ascending. I, I'm right there with you. I don't know how you can be upset. Upset in a sad way? Yes, absolutely. But upset in a oh my God, this is a disaster kind of way. No, I I think that would be extreme overkill. I think you almost feel encouraged to a degree that, hey, best team we have faced so far, because best team certainly was not Iowa State if you saw them on Saturday night. Holy cow. Yeah, seriously. But best team that KU has faced so far, and you hung with them to the very end. They are a legit Big 12 title contender. That's a good sign for a team that is still on the way up. We have not seen the final form of KU yet. So I think it's encouraging more than it is discouraging at this point. Well, right. And, and that's the thing. I mean, like, you look and see all the different things that went wrong for Kansas, right? Like the, the, honestly, the, the freak fumble for Jalen Daniels. Cause on, like, I looked at the, I looked at the replays. I looked at, like trying to break down as much of like what actually happened there. And it was literally a guy got a helmet on the ball, which is something that, you know, usually ends up in a fumble no matter how tightly you're holding onto the ball because there's a, you know, a lot coming with a, you know, a, a helmet to the gut essentially that punches the ball out right away. So it's not like he did anything wrong. He wasn't, you know, like reaching or being careless of the ball or anything like that. It was just one of those freak plays that happened. And then of course, Daniel's getting hurt in the first quarter or in the, in the first half there, like, you probably like I, I know I felt a little worried going into halftime. I'm like, what are they going to do? Like, yeah, I know that Jason Bean, like everyone was saying, you know, that he was, um, you know, really pushing Daniels in in camp. But you know, a lot of that you think is maybe just coaches speak, right? Like the we mm-hmm. wanted to make it sound like it was a real competition. The way he played, though, like it, it almost looked like he was in full peak form of what we saw from him last year against, like, Oklahoma. Like, he he played really well in this game once he got past the, you know, the jitters of having to come out for that. I mean, and it was completely different. Like, I, I definitely think that that helped somewhat in trying to go up against TCU because TCU looked, especially early in that second half, like they did not know what to expect. And a lot of that, I think, was just that Jason Bean plays the quarterback position a lot differently than Jalen Daniels, even though they can do a lot of similar things. 
he he approaches it differently. His his reads are different. The way he looks at receivers is different. Like there's enough differences that I don't necessarily fault defenses that have to handle moving from one quarterback to another, especially when those quarterbacks have a similar level of talent. Um, you know, obviously not exactly the same. And, and, and I think Jalen Daniels has mm-hmm. been the better quarterback this year so far. Um, but like I had K state guys that were like, man, if Bean had been the starter all along, then Kansas would have blown out all those. Opponents. I was like, I, I wouldn't have gone that far. Like it's one of those things. I will say it's nice to have a very capable backup that very well could be a starter at any number of big 12 schools. Um, like, honestly, I think the only school right now or the only two schools right now that would not want a guy like Jason Bean as their starter would potentially be Texas with Quinn Ewers. And then I would say probably TCU with Max Duggan. Like, you know, I'm thinking going around the rest of the Big 12 Conference. And, and, and I'm sure Oklahoma State fans like wouldn't want to trade Spencer Sanders for Jason Bean. But I think what I'm trying to say is every other school would probably be happy with a guy like Jason Bean as their starter if that's who they had. Sure. And so it's one of those things where... I don't know that Kansas taken a huge step down and I saw the opening line for Kansas versus Oklahoma, which was absolutely ridiculous. And we'll talk about that when we, when we start to look ahead, but you know, this is a team that didn't take a huge step down. As we saw, they got in the second half, they started, you know, with better play calling and more, I should say more inventive play calling, but the defense stepped up really big in the first half. You know, it, it wasn't quite as great in the second half, but I think a lot of that's because TCU kind of figured out what they were trying to do and made a lot of adjustments to it. But this is by far the most talented team that we have played, especially on offense, with how, how much speed they have and everything that they have going on for them. And the fact that Kansas was able to make those adjustments, to hang on early and make those adjustments and come out with a game that they probably should have won, that's a huge step forward. Like, normally we're talking about, man, if they could stop shooting themselves in the foot, they wouldn't lose by 40 you know, like it's something like that. This one is if they had made or if, if some of the bounces had gone a different way, you know, this wouldn't have been a huge upset if they had won this game. That that Oklahoma game last year, if if the the couple of bounces had gone their way, it would have been a monumental upset that everybody would have been talking about for a really long time. And the fact that Kansas was even close in that game was a huge step forward for the program and was a you know a huge thing that was being celebrated. Now there's a lot of people feeling that they should have won this game. You know, it wouldn't have been an upset if they won the game. game. Game day was in town, which that alone says a whole bunch about the program and where they're at right now. You know, so like it's hard to be a Kansas fan and while and and while you can be upset about the actual result of the game, you cannot be upset with the way that the program is performing. You cannot be upset with the way the players are playing. You know, players are not going to be perfect all the time. They're going to make mistakes. Guys are going to you know blow a coverage or have a stupid penalty or something like that. That's just the game of football. That's the way it works. This is a team, I think, though, that has shown every single bit that they belong to remain ranked in the polls. They you know, kept both of their rankings in the polls. They moved down a little bit in the coaches' poll, which is fine with me, but stayed at 19 for the AP poll, which I think tells you a lot about what the media thinks of this team. Yeah, and I, I was a little surprised. I was figuring, you know, 22 to 24 somewhere there, which would have been fine. I mean, yeah, you lost a game, but... You, you made a good effort, and I didn't think KU was going to fall out this week. It's awesome to see KU stay at 19. Now, that's also aided by Utah suffering a pretty convincing loss to UCLA and also Kentucky losing, God forbid, to South Carolina. So that helped as well with a couple of teams sliding way down for KU to stay up. But But I'm right there with you. I mean, I don't know how you could be upset about the way that unfolded. You look at Bean's numbers. He's the first quarterback since Todd Reesing to throw four touchdowns and a half. I mean, that's... That's remarkable. I love Jalen Daniels. He hasn't done that this year. You have to give him all the credit in the world. 
you have your backup quarterback go in there. And for the record, just because I know you brought this up and I had people asking me about it after the game. And I know I saw this on, on Twitter and Reddit CFB and places after the game, when he is healthy, whenever that is, it is Jalen Daniels job. I know Jason Bean had an awesome performance. I get it. It is Jalen Daniels job and it really shouldn't even be a discussion. I, I, unless Bean plays like that every game that he has to play going forward, which I doubt just because it was such a statistical anomaly, but I, I like Bean. He is an awesome player to have on the field. He is a great piece. And I thought about this in the off season and I'm glad KU did mix this into the game plan a couple weeks uh, past, get him the ball in space. He's the fastest player on the entire roster. Get him in there for a pitch now and again, or two weeks ago, it was pitch the ball to him and then have him throw. I mean, all sorts of wacky stuff that Andy Kotelnicki has been dialing up. I love having Jason Bean on the roster. I just don't want him taking any snaps away from Jalen Daniels because Jalen Daniels can do more and I think is a better true quarterback than Bean is. Loved what Bean did this week. Admirable, damn near heroic effort. It's JD's job. Now, that being said, you're going to need Jason Bean going forward because I mean, there are rumors out there. I don't want to speculate on what exactly the shoulder injury is for Daniels. You're going to need Bean. And to see that he's got that in him and to see, like you put so eloquently, he actually is performing at that much of a higher level than what we have seen from him before in a Kansas uniform. Because he started nine games for KU last season. It was eight or nine. And I mean, he was okay. He had his moments. He had the win. Obviously, he led the game-winning drive against South Dakota. And you adjust for quality of opponent but you know we we saw some things it was all right it was nice there's a reason that he did not end up winning the job out of camp but like you said it wasn't just coach speak that Andy Kotelnicki and Lance Leipold and all these coaches said hey he he has played really well there's a legitimate competition I'm glad that that was not just coach speak and that was truly the real deal and that's more encouraging going forward as well so to go toe-to-toe with TCU I don't think there's too many teams better than TCU on the schedule the rest of the way. I think Oklahoma State's nasty. That's going to be tough down the line. Texas is going to have at least a productive offense as long as Quinn Ewers is slinging the rock for them. But is Oklahoma better than TCU next week? No, I don't think so. Is Baylor better than TCU? I think Baylor's good. I don't think they're better than TCU. So you, I sounded like Bill Self there for a second. So you don't have to worry, I think, at least for the time being that, oh my God, we're going to fall off a cliff because you can trust in adverse situations. You've got a quarterback who can still make plays for you. And if nothing else is a dynamic runner, opposing defenses hate the backup quarterback with legs. Now it's a little different when that guy has to start, but you're never preparing for that. So to have that little extra element coming off the bench and having to start for a few weeks, hopefully just a few weeks, that's a nice asset to have. You've got other productive players who we haven't gotten to yet, Andy, but every running back who played in this game did at least something for you. Sevion Morrison has the funniest stat line of any player maybe in college. I know, it's awesome. It One carry a game. It's either five yards or he's going for 55 yards. It's truly incredible. But he, again, had the big play and had a nice kickoff return as well. Kai Thomas, I know he's been injured. I know he didn't do a whole lot, but he did have one nice run. So you thought, okay, that's there. And at some point, hopefully that can be unlocked a little bit more. And Devin Neal, it's been quiet because Daniels has taken the spotlight and some of the receivers have too. But Devin Neal's having a really nice sophomore season too. So you've got the running game. We know how good the offensive line has been. And I'm essentially built this whole thing up just to talk about Luke Grimm. Luke Grimm rules, man. I know 
the receiver core going into the year. Well, you know, Daniels is all this hype, but I don't know about the receivers. Luke Grimm is a stud. He is a stud. Quentin Skinner has stepped up and has become such a nice player, essentially out of nowhere. We saw Tanaka Scott come up and make a really nice play, the 51 or 52-yard gain in Saturday's game. Sounds like Trevor Wilson might be back soon, and we saw flashes from him a year ago. Obviously, he's dealing with legal troubles at the moment, but it sounds, at least based on what we heard in the post-game press conference on Saturday, he might be back. Yeah, this from what I heard, has... from what I heard, his his case was dismissed this last week, so he is yeah. he is out of legal troubles. There's still things he has to work through with the university until he's back and you know in, in a full capacity. But yeah, he's he's definitely on the way back now. And it was always a question of when and not if, unless of course he, you know, ended up with very serious legal trouble and ended up not being available. Um, but yeah, so like, right, you add him to the rest of this receiver core. But yeah, it, and, it, just like you said, like Luke Grimm is by far, I think, the standout. And coming into the year, that's what we talked about, right? That that you needed one or two of these receivers to step up and establish themselves. And it was just hard to know who it was going to be. I always had confidence that one of them could do it. I, I thought that at least one of them would be able to do it. It was just a matter of who it was and, and trying to pick that. Grimm and Arnold were probably my two biggest, you know, candidates for it because of what they did last year. Emilian was a guy that, you know, potentially jumped out to me as as a guy that could after he transferred in. But yeah, Gr- Grimm is your ultimate possession type receiver. If you need a catch and it doesn't need to go, you know, 50 yards down the field, he's probably the guy you look to and the guy that opposing defenses are probably going to try to take away the most right up front. So you've got that guy and you also have the other ultimate weapon of an offensive coordinator who is on an all-time heater I know the Iowa State game and the first half of TCU play calling uh left something to be desired I think that's fair to say I mean I call it the worst offensively called game KU has had since this current staff took over against Iowa State other than that the other what would that be four and a four and a half games that have been played this season Andy Kotelnicki has just been a mastermind. He is calling some phenomenal stuff. That end around on fourth and two, that's not the second time KU has called something similar in that vein this season. It was against Houston, I believe it was, when KU ran that earlier in there. Yeah, it was definitely on the road against Houston. That's another weapon for this offense. So offensively, I'm concerned because Daniels is obviously a a dynamic weapon and you want your best quarterback out there as much as possible. That's a no-duh situation. But with being out there and considering the other weapons KU has, I think you're encouraged by the fact you still stood toe-to-toe with TCU. And I think you're encouraged going forward that, hey, we still have enough pieces. We can win a few more games in this Big 12 schedule. Yeah, and it's one of those things, too. Just the fact having both Bean and Daniels available changes the way the teams have to game plan for these guys. It changes a lot mm-hmm. of things. And, and you know, Bean now becoming, like, the guy for at least the next couple of weeks, I would assume. Um Changes the way that he prepares, changes the way that they do a lot of different things, but, you know, it still, like, gives them, they still have tons of options. They have a bunch of guys that can play really well. I actually just heard recently, you know, there was an update of, you know, because we got to the third quarterback last year, like, you know, the worries of what are you going to do when you get to the third. Ethan Vasco has had a lot of really good reviews. I've been hearing a lot of great things about him in practice and camp. You obviously don't want to ever have to get to him because that means that there were some pretty serious injuries to the top two guys, but... If it ever came to that, you know, it's it's nice to know that we have a a similar situation to when Jalen Daniels had to come in as the third, you know, string quarterback and ended up playing really well. You don't expect it to be as good, obviously, if we ever got there. But knowing that you have a capable offensive coordinator in Andy Kotelnicki that he can 
mold what he's doing around the guys that he has available and can throw all kinds of interesting wrenches into the game plan. Um, has to be super comforting if, you, if you're a Kansas fan. And, you know, kind of looking at this offensive performance, this, as you said, solidifies. Because I, I think TCU's defense is not, you know, extremely worse than, I, than, than Iowa State's. Iowa State probably has the best, statistically best defense in, in the Big 12 this year. And they're probably going to stay there for most of the most of the year because that's pretty much all they have, right? Is the, is the defense. And, and normally, yeah. when you see teams that have absolutely no offense but still a really good defense, the defense suffers because the offense is barely on the field. And and you mentioned the way that Iowa State played against Kansas State. That offense did them no favors, and they still held you know Kansas State to ten points total. So like. Iowa State has a good offense, or I'm sorry, a good defense, and getting shut down by that defense is not really something that you should be super concerned about because it's going to happen to a lot of different people. Um, that being said, TCU's defense is not like demonstrably worse, you know, to the point where you're worried about getting shut down in the first half. And the fact that they had that huge explosion in the second half helps with that as well. So, like, this is a, an offense that has its mojo back now. They're getting ready to face probably one of the worst defenses if not the worst defense in all of the Big 12 in Oklahoma next week. Like, I expect them to start building some momentum. And, you know, barring news coming out that Jalen Daniels is done for the rest of the year, like, I have a really hard time. And, and of course, knock on wood on that because I don't want to speak that into existence. But, you know, this is a, a team that has a lot of momentum. This is a team that knows they have a bunch of guys available. And, you know, just like they said after Daniel Hyshaw went down, next guy up. They're all ready for it, and I do not expect this offense to slow down a single bit. And it's truly a testament to this staff, and I mean everyone on staff, from Leipold to the assistants to Scott Oligo to Rob Ionello, everybody who works in getting players into the program, high school, transfer, JUCO, whatever. This We've talked about how the top-end talent for this team is so much better than it has been in a long since the last time KU went to a bowl game but the depth that this team has and I think you have the obvious examples where hey it's second down you've got one group of defensive linemen out there an entire four-man unit third down and eight comes up the entire group like a hockey line change switches out you've got four more dudes who come on and oh okay Jeremy Robinson and Malcolm Lee are off the field well here comes the best pass rusher KU has Lonnie Phelps he just got two of the last three snaps off and he is raring to go that's one obvious example of having more depth, but the ability to go into these kind of games, like against Oklahoma, and it really is kind of bizarro world that KU is maybe the betting underdog, but is the public favorite by this much, because it is palpable how big of a favorite KU is in the public eye to go into this game and say, damn, we lost our starting quarterback, but we've got enough dudes that we can make this happen. I mean, that, that sounds preposterous. If you had said, you know, a couple years ago, even that, ah, man, well, we don't have, I don't know, pick a name out of a hat. Oh, we don't have Carter Stanley. Oh, we don't have Ryan Willis, whoever. Now we got to go play Oklahoma. Oh, well, we're going to get our brains beaten in. Sick. Awesome. It's not like that this time. And I think that is the biggest kind of benefit or boon that this coaching staff and this entire program staff has brought in that, hey, it, it's not you've got two guys and that's it anymore. This is not, hey, you've got Tony Pearson and James Sims and the rest of the offense is Basura. No, I mean, this is a legit, deep Big 12 team, and that's a really encouraging thing. I also want to point to one thing real quick, Andy, that was brought up by uh, Jason Bean, I believe it was, after the game, 
And he said, he told this to a friend of the program, Scott Chasen from Casey Sports Network. And he said, and Scott put this on Twitter, that they kind of got away in the last week and a half from a lot of their bread and butter stuff. And that's those wide zone plays that worked so well at the end of last season when Daniels took over. And even when Bean had success as a starter. And then into this year, the wide zone stuff was really what was working so well for them. Well, they've gotten away from it in the last couple of weeks. And you can understand why when you've got a quarterback who's doing the kind of things that Jalen Daniels has been doing, you mix things up a little bit and you say, okay, we can, we can change the playbook because we know our quarterback can go out and make the plays, whatever we end up calling. Well, they went back to some of those staples of the playbook and guess what happened? Everything started to click again. And Granted, you got some incredible catches from Quentin Skinner and Luke Grimm and uh, Mason Fairchild and company. I know that was when Daniels was in the game, but still, you it worked. The, the offense was moving up and down the field. And just take this past week and next week as an example. TCU's defense is better than Oklahoma's defense. If you were able to get your staple plays and your staple concepts to work against a better defense than the one you're taking on next week, how can you not be encouraged by that? And if KU and its coaching staff, Leipold, Kotelnicki, every assistant on the offensive side can come together and say, okay, we've seen what did not work for a game and a half in weeks five into week six. We know the stuff that works with Bean and with Daniels, frankly, and the rest of our players. Let's just ride with this and ride the hot hand. I think, and Scott Jason pointed this out as well, that's a sign of adaptability for the coaching staff, which you have to love. And it's also a sign that, hey, we know what works. And until it doesn't work anymore, we're just going to ride with that. And when you have the kind of momentum KU has, even off of a loss versus the downward facing momentum that Oklahoma is dealing with right now, I think that's a really good spot for this offense to be in. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that is the most encouraging sign that this offense or this this staff knows what works and they're not afraid to make sure that they actually do that. And of course, other stuff that we know that works would be all of the fantastic stuff from sponsor here on the podcast, Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel has the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, and more. And like I said, all of it is absolutely fantastic. Super comfortable with absolutely ridiculous logos. Um, it's all vintage logos from more than 140 different schools. Um, you know, they keep adding new stuff all the time. They just did a bunch of refreshes for a bunch of different teams. And of course, they now have a Kansas football shirt from a couple weeks ago that is out there. So if you've been looking for great, comfortable apparel to support your Kansas Jayhawks football team in, you know, as Bill Self said, we are a basketball school, but we are also going to be a football school. Make sure you head on over to homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code CHALK12. You can get 15% off your entire first order, and all orders over $100 have free shipping. Again, homefieldapparel.com, absolutely great stuff. If you want Kansas stuff, they've got a ton. If you want other stuff, and I can guarantee you're going to find other schools that have great logos that you just have to be wearing. Um, but that, but again, homefieldapparel.com, promo code CHALK12 gets you 15% off that entire first order. All right, Brandon, I do want to flip over to the defense and talk about them. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm Sam, and I co-host the Scott and Holm Podcast, the known universe's first Houston Cougar sports podcast. Every week, even during the offseason, my co-host Dustin and I come on and talk everything current as it relates to the Cougs. And every so often, we'll bring on UH luminaries like Carl Lewis, Kellen Sampson, and a number of other fantastic 
Cougar Voices, and as proud members of the 1012 Network, we also find the time to talk about our future conference and future opponents in the Big 12. As well, if all of that sounds even a little bit interesting to you, we would love it if you subscribe to the Scott Holm Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and everywhere else you put podcasts in your ears. That's podcast spelled P-A-W-D cast because the two of us hosting the show are nothing if not big dork. So thank you and go Cougs. And we're back. I am here with Brendan Dwarzynski, uh, host of 580 Sports Talk over on WIBW in Topeka. Uh, also one of our contributors over at Blue Wings Rising. And let me tell you, Brendan, um, if you had told me coming into the year that this Kansas defense would be as good as they are, then I probably would have said that, uh, you know, the offense was making it really easy for them. And that's not necessarily the case. Like, this defense has legitimately been really good on its own. I went and looked up some statistics because, you know, I've seen a lot of people talking about how this, this Kansas defense, um, you know, is, is probably still one of the worst in the conference. And, and what they did in the first half against TCU speaks for itself. But if you look at the number of sacks that they have, uh, you know, they, they have tied for the conference lead with 16 so far from the entire team in their six games. They have the second most interceptions with five. Um, like this is a defense that plays really well. And yes, they give up a bunch of yards. They give up some chunk yardage at time at, at times, but they are still the best red zone defense touchdown defense in the entire big 12. And they're one of the best ones in the country. Um, this is still a phenomenal defensive team. Anything from this defensive performance or just the defense as a whole that has jumped out to you? Well, one player in particular, we already mentioned his name earlier in the show, Lonnie Phelps. I don't know if he's going to get first team all Big 12 honors, but I have he not better. seen a player I've not seen a player like him for Kansas that has gone to full takeover game record mode. I can't even name a, a player when. I mean, hell, Dorrance Armstrong was the preseason Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year going into his final year with the program, and he has turned into, by the way, a stud for the Dallas Cowboys. I don't even remember seeing as many games where Dorrance would just go insane, blowing up everybody who was in front of him, getting after the opposing quarterback with the kind of aggression and the kind of vigor that you see out of Lonnie Phelps. And I want to give Brian Borland and the defensive coaching staff credit as well, because they witnessed a weakness on the TCU offensive line at right tackle. And they said, we're going to attack that. And we are going to attack that all game long. So if we're talking individual player, it's Lonnie Phelps, but I, I really do. And I know I sound like a Homer here, but I really do side with what Lance Leipold said after Saturday's game, that you have to take the score out of the equation to really address how well the defense has played the last two weeks. Because if you go back to Iowa State, was the KU defense as good as you held a conference opponent to just 11 points? Probably not. Iowa State's offense is garbage. But you still played really well. And the defensive line was incredible in that game. You look ahead to TCU. Was that a defensive effort that equates and correlates directly to 38 points for the opponent? No, I don't think so. TCU had some explosive plays. They're one of the best offenses in the country with one of the best wide receiver prospects for this year's NFL draft in the entire country and Quentin Johnson. They just made some freak plays, just like the KU receivers made some freak plays. I still thought pretty much everybody who you need to step up and play well, all of your biggest players who have to come up in the big moments did. They made big plays in the game. Jacoby Bryant, he had a massive pass breakup at one point. I believe it was on a third down that forced a punt. 
that was a big moment. It was second or third down. I know it was late in the contest. Kenny Logan, he had some nice plays, got a little banged up, got back in the game. He made some nice plays. Rich Miller is one of my favorite players in college football to watch right now at the linebacker spot. He is such a stud and such a big piece that this coaching staff brought in. And the defensive line, man, it's good. It's not just, oh, they had a nice game. That entire unit is dudes. Like Sam Burt, who's an awesome story and a great leader and usually just kind of a space eater, he has become a legitimate havoc wreaker in the middle of the defensive line so many dudes are factoring in so I love what the defense is doing right now sometimes games just turn into shootouts sometimes you just have a game where it all goes to hell and okay you gave up a bunch of points that doesn't necessarily mean you didn't play a good defensive game or had good defensive moments so I'm actually extremely encouraged about what this defense was able to do and I'll tell you this much held TCU to fewer points than Oklahoma did the week before by what was the number 17. And I think overall played a lot better. TCU called off the dogs early in that game. I thought KU actually played a very strong defensive game given all of the other circumstances. Yeah. TCU could have easily scored like 80 points on Oklahoma if they really wanted to in that game. So, um, but kind of, kind of to your point, like this is a team that I think has played a lot better than you give them credit for. And we have to remember that the way that the rules are set up in, in college football and in the NFL as well is that it favors the offense. Like, the rules are set up to have higher scoring games, to allow you to have the more exciting offense, and really to allow them to have a lot more freedom of movement. It's a lot harder, I think, to play defense than it has ever been just because of the way the rules are set up. And so the fact that Kansas was able to, you know, slow down TCU for that entire first half, like, it took... You know, it took the defense reeling after a really bad fumble for Jalen Daniels on the goal line. That demoralizing, you know, um, well, I, I really that that demoralizing play that then immediately turned into a quick hit the other way that you know had them reeling and got them down to a you know it was I think it was ten three at that point. So like this is what or I'm sorry, no, it it, it would have been seven to seven. It ended up being ten to nothing, and then Kansas was able to kick a field goal, but still. Like, I thought the defense played really well. They had a lot of big stops. One player that you didn't mention or or I missed while I was looking up a bunch of other stats and stuff, Craig Young has played out of his mind. Um, against TCU, he came up and had a ton of big hits. He has done that throughout the entire year where he is just he just lays a guy out early in the game. And then you, you notice that a lot of people don't go towards him if they can help it uh, throughout the rest of the game because he hits harder than probably anybody else on this entire team. It's great to watch. You know, he had a, a huge tackle for loss after Phelps' sack um, and then stopped Max Duggan with a pretty big hit to keep him from converting that first down. Um, so, like, he has played really well. But you look at what Kansas has. They have leaders up at the top of basically every statistical category on the defensive end. Uh, Kobe, I, I can actually tell that this is not updated because Kobe Bryant is only credited with two interceptions on the year, but I know for a fact he has three. Um, you know, because he had the one against West Virginia in overtime. He had the one against the Iowa State, and then he had one in this game against Duggan. So, you know, this is the, but I mean, this is one of those things where this is a team that has individual standout players. Lonnie Phelps is tied for the most uh, solo sacks in, in the entire conference. He is second in tackles for loss. Like, you have guys who are legitimate disruptors. And like you said, you know, they have a bunch of guys who, um, you know, collectively come together and all provide something huge. Hayden Hatcher, Jeremy Robinson, Sam Burt, Malcolm Lee, Caleb Sampson. Um, you know, I mean, those are all guys on the defensive line that individually have not had huge standout games typically, 
but collectively you bring them together for an entire game and they can do something pretty special. So yes, this is a defense I think that is absolutely fantastic. There's going to be a lot better than any defense that we have seen in a really long time here for the Jayhawks. Like this is a defense that is playing, I think as well or pretty close to the ones that we used to see at the end of the Mark Mangino era. You know, when you had guys like Aqib Tlaib and, and Chris Harris and like you had really legitimate standout guys. This one doesn't have as many top end players who are going to get, you know, those individual accolades. But I think as a unit, they play together just as well as that defense did. And I think that you're going to see some pretty big things for them in the next few weeks. Yeah, I'm with you. And I total brain fart on my end. Uh, Rich Miller is an awesome player. That's why I said oh, yeah. linebacker. I was talking about, I meant to. Talk oh, you, you were thinking Young. Craig Young. Well, well, Rich Miller totally has been fantastic. Fart, he has actually led them in tackles for, I think, four yeah. out of the six games so far. So he has been all over the place. He just doesn't have the big flashy hits that you happen to remember. He's just one of those, you know, workhorse guys that goes and, and makes a big play without you recognizing that it was a big play. Yeah, and, and it just feels, and this is much more of a, a feel than an, an actual analysis thing, but it just feels like this defense has coalesced and come together in a way better, more cohesive, more productive way just in the last two or three games than the first three or four games of the season where it was, it truly felt like in the West Virginia game, okay, well, whoever has the ball last is going to win. And quite literally, KU intercepted the final pass and ended up winning the game. So that's how it felt in the very beginning of the season and probably for about a half of the Houston game. But even from that point, I mean, Houston didn't do a whole lot after the first quarter. They scored 14 in the first quarter, 16 the entire game after that. You can live with 16 points over three quarters from your defense. Against Duke, Duke scored some points, but it never really felt like, oh my God, KU's defense is a a sieve. They're letting everybody through. It never felt quite like that the defense was awesome against Iowa State it was generally pretty good against TCU and again for a team and I don't mean to turn this into a moral victory because I know those don't exist and I know KU already is above that point but for a team that still has development to do that is only in year two of a system and year one fully engrossed in the system to have guys who are stepping up and becoming household names and making instant impacts and these transfers who have immediately come in and changed the on-field culture and the on-field product. It's encouraging. It's exciting. And I'm not that I'm like worried about the offense necessarily. I mean, I already ran through why I'm pretty confident in what this offense is going to continue to be, but I'm feeling pretty good about this defense going forward, knowing they were able to stand up to that incredible TCU offense and go blow for blow with them and lose coming out on the short side of an insane receiver matchup. One of the, probably the best wide receiver game we might see in college football all year long with what those guys were doing out there on Saturday to go toe to toe with that and to not come out on top, but get that darn close. I'm feeling really confident and really comfortable with where this defense is right now. Oh yeah. Yeah. This, this defense is playing phenomenally. And I also have to apologize to OJ Burroughs because I accidentally credited his interception to Kobe Bryant. Um, But I think that just kind of, you know, talks about kind of what what we're talking about here there are a ton of guys i completely forgotten about oj burrows and the big plays that he's been making you know and what he did in this particular game so kansas has guys all over the place and like you said this is a defense is playing a lot better than any defense we've seen in a really long time and i have a like yes they won the game against the iowa state because of how awful that iowa state offense was and and you know kansas the the offense didn't do kansas many favors as well but the fact that you have a defense that can go out and win a game like that when the offense is having a bad day and then have another game where they come back and don't shut down this uh, this 
TCU offense, but they had some very good situational plays. You know, they, they stopped the fourth and one when it looked like TCU was just going to keep driving all over the place. That was early in the game. So, like, this is a team that can do what it needs to do to get them moving forward. So, yeah, I, I think that's it for the TCU game. It was a really great game. But as we usually do, I want to peek ahead just really quick to this Oklahoma matchup coming up. Um, I talked about it, you know, at the very beginning of the episode, Oklahoma was a nine point favorite in the opening the lines, which I think is, as you put it, the name on the Jersey and people not really watching these two teams and understanding what the, where these two teams are at, but how, how much disrespect do you think is baked into that nine point line? Or is it just that Vegas thinks that the public is going to go with Oklahoma regardless? It's tough to say, man. I, I feel like personally, and that's the easiest place to come from with this sort of analysis. I feel like I'm not super comfortable with this matchup just because mostly because I'm a scarred fan, but also I've seen KU have hype going into games before against teams that I, this is a really good team and really good talent, but maybe KU is going to take care of business. And then KU gets his ass kicked. And I, I feel pretty good about this. I think that there is certainly disrespect baked into it. It is a name on the Jersey kind of thing. And that's Vegas and the odds maker saying, okay, Joe Q public is going to say, Oh, Kansas. Uh, no, they're frauds. They're, they're coming off a loss back to same old Kansas. I'm going to ride with Oklahoma because they're going to have the bounce back after being angry over red river. They're going to come away with this. I figured the line would be favoring OU. I was thinking in the neighborhood of like, four or five, nine seemed like a lot. And if you got that number, I think in some places it's already gone down. If you got that number, you should be feeling pretty darn good. But I, I would be shocked if this didn't get certainly within a touchdown by kickoff on Saturday and maybe even lower than that. OU's defense is garbage, man. I mean, they are just absolutely terrible. And it was one thing against Kansas State that, all right, they weren't ready for Martinez's legs. Martinez had played terribly the week before from Kansas State. And then they just got whooped all up and down the field by TCU. And we talked about it earlier. TCU didn't need to try the entire second half. They could have put up 70, 80 points in that game if they really wanted to. So for KU, I think offensively, even without Daniels, this is a favorable matchup. And Oklahoma's got a lot of problems on their offense too, man. Even if Dylan Gabriel plays, he is not, the angel Gabriel coming in to to save. I know I'm mixing up Bible stories here, but just roll with me. <laughs> he's not, if he's healthy, going to completely save that offense that clearly has a lot of problems right now uh, being coordinated by Jeff Levy. OU is in a state of flux. And I, I don't know that KU should be the favorite because it's on the road in Norman. And again, the brand and the, the history and the tradition, that means something because we're not, you know, if this was two years of OU being stinky and they were still being favored like this over KU, I would say, all right, what's up? Because that should not be. But I can understand six games in why you'd still say, uh, eh, maybe we should still give a little credit to Oklahoma. I wouldn't, but I can understand why someone might. Well, I'm going to push back. I don't understand why anyone would. I mean, it would be different, right, if they had had some weird games, some like games where we – you know, they, they were playing really good. If we had seen a good defensive game from them all year long, but honestly, we haven't. Like, you know, yeah, they shut Kent State down to just three points over the course of the entire game, but, you know, they have a talent gap that is gigantic on Kent State. And, you know, like, they this defense has not played well 
a single game this entire year, except for maybe at Nebraska. And I still think that had a lot more to do with just how bad Nebraska is than it does with how good that Oklahoma defense played in that particular game. And, I mean, this is a team that plays or that that got demolished by TCU. Before, like, before Dylan Gabriel left that game, they were already playing horribly. The defense had already given up a ton. Like, Dylan Gabriel was missing passes left and right. So even if Dylan Gabriel comes back and is at the peak of his power, right, like, is, is as good as he's ever been, like, he has not shown anything in an Oklahoma uniform of being a guy like a Caleb Williams or a Spencer Rattler or any of these, you know, quarterbacks that have just completely taken over a game and won the game for Oklahoma. So they don't have a good quarterback. I mean, I would say Kansas has the edge at the quarterback position. Kansas probably has an edge at the running back. Like, almost, you go across the entire offense – and Kansas is probably pretty close at most of the positions, especially at the top mm-hmm. end. Um, and then you look at the defense. Kansas defense played a whole lot better. Kansas has a much better defense than what Oklahoma does. The fact that TCU completely shut them down, I think, the, yeah, like much better. Yeah, I think that the Kansas defense is going to shut down this Oklahoma offense, even if Dylan Gabriel's back because he was playing, he's been playing so bad. And, like, you looked at Oklahoma, they had 39 passing yards against Texas. And, yes, I know that Texas has a good defense, but they do not have that good of a defense that they can single-handedly make Oklahoma play that bad on offense. Um, So, I think this Kansas defense is going to have a field day. Like, I was coming into this game, I was all ready to write an article over on Blue Wings Rising about how Kansas was a road favorite uh, in a conference game for the first time since whenever. And was absolutely shocked when the line came out and they were more than a touchdown underdog in this particular game. So, yeah, this is one of those things where I fully, fully expected us to be seeing Kansas no more than a one or two point underdog if they were an underdog at all. I probably would be comfortable taking Kansas with, you know, giving up like 14 or 15 points. Like, I I think that Kansas is going to roll in this game and obviously we'll break it down more as we go and I'll I'll have someone on to talk about the Oklahoma side of things and see if I'm just super optimistic KU fan or if there really is something to it and something really fishy is going on in Norman but I know this could be like if if you had told me coming in the year that Kansas would get bowl eligibility in Norman against Oklahoma then I don't know that I would have believed you because I thought that Oklahoma was going to be pretty good here so what a world it really is. I mean, I I would pick KU. If you were asking me right now to make a pick, I would go with KU because the defense is certainly better. Offensively, even without Daniels, I think the offense is better. I mean, some of the stuff they were running against Texas was why just punt, man. Like you clearly do not have any sort of conviction in what your team is able to do here. And I'm with you, it doesn't really matter on the quarterback. Again, I'm I'm trying to play the devil's advocate. I'm trying to make it make sense. I can only go so far, though. KU should be the favorite in here. And I know betting-wise, you know, the public doesn't always know and squares and sharps and all that. KU is the better team right now. And you ride with the better team. Crazy things happen in college football. It is OU versus Kansas. And it's crazy to think, oh, KU is clearly the better team. But who would you rather have? Jason Bean or anyone else who OU is going to roll out a quarterback? Honestly, I would probably I would probably take Bean over Gabriel at this point. The way that Easy. they've been playing, so right, Easy. like the the opening line was nine. It is already down to seven. Um, so like Kansas has made up a bunch of ground already in like the first you know f- six hours of the betting line being out. I would be shocked if this is not down to like one point by the time we get to kickoff because everybody that I've talked to, all of the like you know people that I've that I that I know that do betting professionally have all said I have no idea what's going on here. I would hammer that that Kansas line because 
yeah, this is just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of Gabriel, too, you don't have to go that far or that deep into some corners of the college football internet to see UCF fans say, hey, we told you so, Oklahoma, that, hey, we don't, yeah. we don't really miss. They've got their own problems now with Gus Malzahn running the show, but there are plenty of Knight fans who will say, yeah, we, we could have told you this was going to happen with Dylan Gabriel. So to me, I think KU is a better team. I think offensively and defensively, KU is the better team. Now, if it comes down to a field goal kicking competition, I'm not sure I would pick KU. But other Fair. than that, I'm feeling pretty good about where KU is in this matchup, which is bizarre. It is very weird to say. But KU... Even during the dark years, which I think it's fair to say are over or at least close to being over now. I mean, we had the game last year where KU, in all honesty, probably should have won that game against Oklahoma. Just let it slip through their fingers at the very end. You had the Puka Williams game down in Norman several years ago when he went for 200 plus. What was it, 250 or nearly 250 in that game? Yeah, I think it was like 256. It was ridiculous. Yeah, so KU has played Oklahoma tough before, and I know a lot has changed. OU's coaches have changed. KU's have changed over time, obviously, although not since last year. I like KU in this game. Again, I think KU's a better team all over the field, and I honestly, I don't think it's a hot take at all to say I like KU better on the sidelines as well. Give me Lance Leipold, uh, Andy Kotelnicki, and Brian Borland over Brent Venables, Jeff Lebby and God forbid Ted Roof. I will happily take KU coaching staff and player execution wise over damn near anyone else OU is going to throw out there this weekend. Yeah, I don't think it's a hot take right now to say that Oklahoma is playing at like the worst team in the Big 12 right now. Like mm-hmm. that's how bad they are. And Kansas coming in to town, it's they're hitting them at the perfect time. Um, it should be absolutely fantastic. But hey, worst thing are you like at very worst, we can say that this is a phenomenal team that is so much fun. I, I think I tweeted for, for the very – I tweeted, like, I think it was very quickly into the third quarter when the offenses really started ramping up. You know, I said, no matter how this game ends, you can be – you can, uh, you know, you can guarantee that I enjoyed this game and this is a fun football team to watch. Even if they don't win this game, this is, this is now a fun football team to watch. And I don't see it changing anytime real soon. So um, make sure you guys enjoy this this team. Um, you know, I think pretty quickly here, we're going to see that they're going to be bowl eligible. So you'll be looking forward to football in late December. Um, but yeah, this has been absolutely fun. Anything else you wanted to, to touch on before we get out of here, Brendan? Uh, real quick. If you were able to go to college game day, man, it was such a, oh, it was awesome. a heavenly ascending experience to be there. I got to go to game day once as a kid or while well, I was in high school, but, uh, 2010, it was one, almost to the day, one day away from to the day, 12 years prior, uh, October 9th of 2010, I was at South Carolina hosting Alabama. It was number 19 hosting number one. My sister was a student at South Carolina at the time. They upset Alabama. It was incredible. And uh, this was everything and more. I, I wish that the home team had won this time around. That certainly would have added to it. But to see the most iconic show maybe in all of sports television in the U.S. on campus celebrating. I know Pat McAfee had a big weekend there with his show on Friday and then amping up the crowd on Saturday as well. It, it was just incredible, man. I, and I, I hope everyone who was able to go to that really took it in and soaked it in that for one weekend, we've been the center of the basketball world many times, but for one weekend, the center of the college football world, was Lawrence, Kansas, and it was the hill under the Campanile going into David Booth, Kansas Memorial Stadium. Um, it sucked the way it ended with a loss, and it was sad in that way, but 
Uh, that was a weekend I'm never going to forget. And it was so much fun to be a part of that and to see, wow, people are here and they're talking about us and they want this team to win and be successful. And most of the last decade plus KU has been nothing more than a joke to the national folks. So it was kind of nice to have that flip around and get to experience that this weekend. I'm, I'm not going to forget that the loss wins and losses come and go, but that, that was truly special. It was, it was funny too, because so, so as, as part of college game day, you know, they have the opportunity for, for me to be credentialed and go back and see the backstage stuff. Um, you know, I had put in for that and wasn't able to get it, but come to find out they only had room for 20 media members to come back there. They had the most, credential requests that they've ever had um or at least at least this season and in the last few years they had 58 people trying to get back there to kind of see what was going on and get that behind the scenes look what was going on with college game day there was a lot of people that were excited about the jayhawks they're excited that game day was coming to see the jayhawks and you know as you saw like it was probably one of the the most positively reviewed editions that they've had of college game day in a really long time i saw people from all over the place tweeting about how great of a show it was and I'm going to be honest, you know, seeing Jayhawks in the background of college game day made it like the best game day that I've ever watched. So it was absolutely fantastic. So, but yeah, I think that's going to do it for us today. Brendan, thank you so much for joining me. Where can everybody uh, find all of your fun analysis? Well, everyone can find on Wednesday, usually around lunchtime over at Blue Wings Rising. You can check out the Wednesday walkthrough, got the top quotes and an early look ahead to the upcoming game uh, from Lance Leipold's press conference and for KU football, respectively. And during the week, you can find me over on WIBW AM Topeka, 580 Sports Talk from 3 until 6, talking all things KU. Yes, some of the rivals in purple as well, Chiefs, Royals, all that. That's 580 Sports Talk Monday through Friday on 580 WIBW out of Topeka. Yeah, just like I have to talk about the Wildcats sometimes over on the Ten Twelve podcast, you have to talk to them on, or talk about them on the radio because Topeka is kind of kind of close to Kansas State, so I guess people yeah. kind of care. But fifty-fifty. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today, Brendan. Thank you so much for joining me, and thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please to go out where you get your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast and subscribe so you can get every episode as soon as it comes out. To give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want me to try to interview, anything like that, contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network over on the Sports Drink Network uh, covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. You can go over to 1012network.com and get links to all the great shows that we have. We're up to 12 now, I think, and we're still looking to add a few more for the new schools coming in. So, um, But make sure you visit our sponsors, Homefield Apparel, Prize Picks. Use promo code CHOP12 at both of those locations to get some really great deals. But that's going to do it for us today. Brendan, thank you for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.